Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast, where I have to say we've always been a big fan of picking Scotsman long before it became fashionable. And with that in mind, I'm delighted to say that my co-host for this week is Alan Dimmick. How are you, Al? Very good. Very good. It's uh, um, you've, you've done me a favour. You've got me inside. Uh, I live I live in what potentially is the epicentre of the middle class sporting world at the moment. I live a hefty spit from uh, Wimbledon Centre Court, and um, so you've got me indoors so that I don't I don't get caught up in the Pims thunderstorm, and also uh, uh, I get to lock my doors and drown out the sound of "It's coming home, it's coming home." So you've done me a massive favour, mate. I think this is it. Is basically the rest of the world. Well, sorry, the rest of the UK has got engulfed with, uh, you know, with England are going to win the Euros type stuff. So. It could only a certain kind of person, and by that I mean a, a Welshman and a Scotsman could sit in at seven pm on on a Saturday evening and pick the bones out of uh, the Lions versus the Gauteng Lions. Well, actually, yeah, and I, I appreciate how you've gone straight for a Gauteng. You've gone traditional. No, didn't go for Transvaal. Uh, disappointed with you for that. Um, you know, we'll t- I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of hefty stuff here, but importantly. Uh, playing today in the centre against the Lions was Berger Odendal. Is that the most quintessentially South African name? Uh, it, will they play against anyone with with as fantastic, as as essentially South African a name as that auteur? Oh, it's a great, it's a great show. I also, I, I made, uh, I didn't even make notes, Al. I made a few notes in my head about things I wanted to bring up with you. Uh, one of which was how much the uh, the Golden Lions. And we're going to flick between Gauteng Lions, Golden Lions, Emirates Lions, Transvaal. I, th- I think we should just we should throw it around like Finn Russell here, right? We can okay. refer to them as as many different many different sides. Um, but did you not think that their number nine looked an awful lot like Andy Robinson? Um, well. He was as a as a man who has to shave his head. I appreciate he is fighting a losing battle on, on that front. So in that sense, uh, with a, a sandy uh, hair color, yes, a little bit. I mean, he was in the wars. To be fair, he was gushing blood at one point in the in the first half, and he had to go in. He, he was a part. He was very keen. Uh, I, I would say that, and that's whether you think that's a compliment or not. I mean, certainly the the they were very keen. The Sigma, the Sigma Lions were were very keen. Um, but in what? the end, let's, let's be well. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say what I don't. Because the thing is, I you know all the pre match build up was the Emirates Lions, I believe, because that in my head that's who their sponsors were, and that's the way things work in South in South Africa. But then when we got into the 
the pub and obviously as you can probably tell from uh, from my slurring of words, I've been watching the game in the pub. Um, it said SIG versus BIL on the or Lions on the, um, and I, I didn't understand. Kind of like I was like, what is the name of the side? We've played the side so many times. We play them every single tour, and I can't quite figure out what their what their blooming name is. Well, uh, uh, well, this is just this is a bit of inside baseball. The uh, famously. You need to squeeze a bit to get some comms out of them as a, as a club, and they um, they are they changed their name forty eight hours before this match, you know. Right. So their their stadium is named. You know, we're all we all know the stadium, but it's you know it's the, one of the most famous rugby stadiums on the planet. However, it is named after the sponsor, so it's called Emirates Airlines Stadium, I believe. Mm along those lines however i believe for the purposes of this tour it's being called the johannesburg state i don't think it's got a name that's just weird but this is uh, ellis park right we know it as ellis yeah. park yeah so yes exactly but this is 2021 and you know what why why not why why keep things simple when we can make them as muddy as possible so you know I, i'm all, all for it because to be honest if we could talk about the rugby effectively they are the weakest team that the Lions are going to face on tour. Um, they were the weakest South African side in, in the Rainbow Cup. They've traditionally been one of the weakest. They've lost a lot of talent over the over the last couple of years. Um, and it, so the only way that they can do anything against the Lions is to, to muck things up. And that's what their job essentially is in a test like this. In the end, ugh, quality is what told. I think with the, the British and Irish Lions who henceforth will we will we'll just call the Lions, is, um, you know, there were there was there were moments of rustiness, you know, sticking out in my head. I can remember um, Hill throwing a pass to absolutely no one in the middle of the park and it hitting the dirt, kicks out on the full. Um, at one point, Owen Farrell was, and we can talk about this a little bit, Owen Farrell was running crash balls and he ran too flat on Ali Price, who threw it into his shoulder. There was moments like that they didn't quite click, but in the end, the Lions just had too much quality. So they they had the, the beating of, of their hosts, and you know there there were enough moments there that we can talk about. I mean, Josh Adams got four tries. That's insane yeah, on a on a on a tour. You know, really, he's taken he's taken his opportunity well. We can talk about the fact that have you ever seen Terminator Two in the the T one thousand? The have bad I, guy. Have I ever seen Terminator Two? Oh, you know the T one thousand, the bad guy. Um, is is probably the fastest actor that's ever run in a movie. With the <laughs> that was Hogg when he went back to to snuff out certain try from a big um, tang break, and there was just lo- lots of stuff. You know, the, Chris Harris putting a nice chip for Louis Rizamat to score on his unfazed at twenty years old, scoring on his Lions debut four minutes into the game. There's just lots of stuff, lots of nice little things. So th- there was messiness, absolutely, but it's the first. First game in country, lots of new com. Well, we can also talk about the fact that there's some recognised com combinations within that. So you know, Price and Russell are, are best friends. They were starting together. We've got uh, some of the England guys across the the middle of the scrum um, who went really hard. I think Courtney Laws will probably won't get as much praise as I think he should. I think he was a physically exceptional and, and made a lot of things tick around him. And then you know, Watson. If we're talking about Adams throwing his hand up. We can talk about Watson, who was given man of the match, despite the fact that he didn't score four tries. He only got one. He was given man of the match by the by the local coverage, um, and certainly he's he looked bang up for it. So you know, whilst there wasn't anything where you'd be like, "This will dominate the headlines," there were lots of nice little bits in the game. I think essentially, Al, that brings us around to what tour games mean in 2021, doesn't it? Because it's not like you know the the 1974 tour where everyone goes and you get a chance to you get a chance to prove yourself and if you you know you can really play yourself in because you've got 17 tour games before the first test it is about trying out a few different combinations and seeing the things that work well how much do you think places are up for grabs or how much do you think that Warren Gatland and his his team have kind of decided who's going to start that first test already well, there are certain positions where it would just be you can just assume that there's that you know the majority of the pack picks itself for the lines. The majority of I mean, if you're looking at current form, there are players who you think it would just be silly for them to 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 not 
be starting. There are only a few positions where you would say that is up for grabs. That is the function of, of these games. But really, it's more about bedding in the style that you want to do. Because remember, this tour more than the last couple is we've got coaches that haven't worked with these groups of players before. So it's about bedding in systems. It's interesting. If you talk, this is a big debate we've had in the, the Rugby World office recently, actually, is so we've just sent our, our most recent issue of the magazine to bed. It'll be out in a couple of weeks. Please, everyone, go and buy it uh, so I can pay my mortgage. And the um, one of the things that we've talked about, we talk about every four years, actually, really, and everyone talks about every four years, is the legacy of the Lions, how you protect the concept. And one of the things that I've had a bit of a debate with folk in the office about is how many games are enough games for it to feel special. Now, if you listen to some people who have been on recent tours, they would say that, thank God, the number of games has, has been rattled down because you re if essentially all it is doing is building to, to the test series. You'll have others. Now, obviously, take COVID out of the equation because it's blown up the world and it's not uh, as special as it could be. But if you're looking at a tour in a normal, you want it to feel special. You want to feel like you're seeing all that a country has to offer. You want to feel like you're really up against an entire nation and see X, Y, Z. So where do you find that balance? Um, a lot of people in uh, rugby world, is, <laughs> my colleagues will say a 10 minimum is enough. But how? my argument would be in the modern game is how far do you go before, say you get the dream result where you get two weeks of preparation uh, rather than the 25 minutes of preparation the Lions seem to get before they head out on tour at the moment. And the unions all actually relent and say, let's give the Lions a fighting chance. And they they get a, for, uh, they get a fortnight together to bed things in as a full group, and then they go out on tour. How many extra games do you have to play at the other end before that's undone, you know, when you're throwing guys in for too long? So there's probably a short window. And in this case, I think there's a few places up for grabs. I think if you look at this game today, the fact that uh, Finn Russell was hoiked off um, about around about the hour mark, I can't remember exactly when, and Owen Farrell gets to play in his more natural position. And there were some moments where, as I mentioned earlier, Owen Farrell overran something. He was running crash balls, which I wouldn't say is naturally his position. But, and uh, he also slipped off a tackle on the edge, which led to the, the first Houtang try. Um, those, are, those are blips. I imagine that someone like Owen Farrell will be given every opportunity in the world to see if he can stake his claim for that test spot because he offers that element of control. And I think there are some players that are in that camp. There are obviously players that are nailed on to start the tests. But I think the function of these games is to, to solidify, uh, is to identify the people. What happens every tour, there might be someone that throws their hand up that you wouldn't expect. We're thinking of Alex Corbusiero in 2013, for example. There are guys that will throw their hand up and say, that test spot is mine because no one's laid a claim for it. There's a few of those around. The rest of the time is about bedding in the shape and the style. And... I think today was probably a quite good start of that, but you probably want to really get the benefit of that. You're going to have to play against stronger opposition, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Essentially, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Alan. It's uh, it's not the strongest opposition that, that we're going to face. Like you said, I think that that is prob probably the, the weakest side. The interesting thing for me is kind of the trends that we start to see. And I think obviously we're only two games in and two selections in, but a couple of things caught my eye before the game in terms of selection and one was if you look back to the the game at Murrayfield you had Tyke Burns starting at six today you had Courtney Law starting at six which again it will come as no surprise when you saw the the overall squad selection that you have got a lot of locks who can play in the back row that this might well become a theme but also I think that Today there were two very robust centres in action, and you had you had like you say Farrell isn't a crash ball running centre, but he's certainly a physical one. You know he's certainly not afraid to put himself about when it comes to defence. Chris Harris likewise is a very uh, is a very physical defence orientated centre, and I kind of wonder whether that's the the themes that we're we're going to start to to see now. Um, is there anything that you saw during the game that that you think is is going to be you know is going to follow on from that? Any of those those things that we can expect to see as we head into the test series? Well, actually, you mentioned there the, the the balance of the back row, and I think that's one of those things that's going to we're going to be debating that. You know, Hamish Watson's got a man of the match today, so there's going to be a lot of talk of that because Curry is the favourite. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of people in in my profession over the last couple of weeks going. 
starting spots curries already like next question move on like it's it's well, let's start talking about other things don't be silly actually i think it's a, it's a big talking point coming actually your reason interesting point because sam warburton said this during commentary in in the game as he mentioned uh courtney laws playing at six and he talked about the opportunity potentially you could see curry and watson play together in the back row whether that throws an awful lot of work onto Falato, if you assume he's going to be the starting number eight, or if, if Conan starts at uh, number eight, who, or if Simmons throws his hand up, um, you know, where the balance of that comes in, and how much you need someone like an enforcer type, uh, like a Laws, like a, like a Burn, who can do all the back row work, but also offers you ballast and breakdown so that you can flit about a bit more, because a lot of the chat we're going to get during this Lions tour is about the speed of the breakdown. A lot You speak, listen to a lot of experts and we'll talk about the fact that in the last year, the speed of the breakdown has been quicker. The, there's a lot more ball in play from that facet. So it's if we're going to expect that zip, um, do you pick your pack accordingly? Do you need someone that offers ballast in the, ballast in the breakdown and then another two guys in the back row that fly about a bit more? Which would be mad, right? To see, to see Curry and, and Watson flying about would be fun. I have no idea how the hell that would work, but I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple of games' time we see something like that. The other thing that I've noticed, actually, that's a carryover from the Japan game to this one is, obviously, it was sad to see Justin Tiberich go um, with, a, with a shoulder injury, but in the, the little time that we did see from him, there was a lot of link play from him from the line-out, and today we saw the same thing from Hamish Watson, where Hamish Watson was slinging an awful lot of passes from... From, from the line-out into open play, which meant that you got your playmakers a little bit further out and suddenly you had more running threats uh, on the first shoulder of the defence. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the back row is fascinating out. And I, for one, do not think that Curry is in any way nailed on. I th- I'm, I'm excited to see him play. I think we also might get in the next game, we might get the opportunity to see... Curry and Navidi play together possibly, which I think is a very exciting prospect in terms of having two, you know, kind of two twin fetches out there. I mean, there are so many wonderful that's options. Gnarly, that's a gnarly back row. Oh, it's gnarly. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not for me uh, playing against even players like that who, you know, I mean, I can only imagine playing against players, not into, even in terms of quality, but in terms of those attributes, it can only, it, it terrifies me. But I think, those guys are very much in the running, but what's laid down a marker today for me, and I do think that what he showed was it wasn't just about oh I'm brilliant over the ball, which we know he is. It was how how much every time he got the ball he bumped someone off and made ten yards and scored a try and offered link play. I mean, he's got an absolute abundance of talent and an abundance of skills in his uh you know in his golf bag so to speak and uh, yeah I, I really i think i think curry's got an awful lot to do actually and i i kind of think that gatlin will see it in that same way i think that curry is a wonderful player when he's playing to his to his absolute best and i'm a very very big fan but i think he has kind of had a season that's not necessarily certainly internationally has not necessarily caught the eye so again that's where I think these games are interesting is can he go out and and put in a really eye-catching performance because I I think Watson has certainly done that well I think I I think I might be right in saying that Curry is the current despite not having a fantastic year as a nation I think I think Curry is I could be wrong about this but I'm pretty sure he's the the reigning uh, English player of the year in the most recent award. So obviously the players around him respect him enormously. And look, he's a fantastic talent. Sale, you know, had a pretty, pretty good season. And I think he was, uh, he was at the, him and his brother were at the four of that. I think he's a phenomenal rugby player. And to be honest, it's, it's a bit harsh, you know, judging now we haven't seen him playing in the red yet. So it's, you know, it's, and if I was him, actually, I'd probably be just trying to cut off Hamish Watson's hair. It might be a Samson situation where his powers may diminish once, once the the back end of that moulet has gone, um, but certainly the, there's an interesting one. I've got two questions actually from watching that game. Firstly, and I don't know if I don't know if this is the case at all because in football, if you score a hat trick, you get to take the match ball home. Does Josh Adams now get to take the match ball home with him? Great is question. That- I've never played in a side where anyone's been good enough to score three tries, so I couldn't answer that. But let's. I mean, surely you, you're going to have to give them the ball. Surely. 
Clyde signs that ball. That would just make sense. And if that doesn't happen, that should now be instated. Uh, and the second one is, is I think there was some good stuff and he was brilliant at linking. He caught, a, you know, he got past the ball from Russell direct for the opening try. He got past the ball to Russell. He turned back, gave a bad loop pass to, to Farrell, who then gave the pass to Harris, who chipped over for Lewis Rees Zamet to score. Jamie George did some nice things today. Do you think he will, as much as modern players should be able to brush things off, do you think he's going to wake up in a cold sweat thinking about the ball that Josh Adams kicked through that bounced, didn't bounce in front of him and he didn't get one of the, didn't get a beautiful try and he, he spaffed that on and I feel bad for Jamie George because he's, he's, he's a good, he's a very good player. He's a great player, in fact, and he's uh, a very affable bloke, but that's just one of those things where it was quite funny. Yeah, I do. I do think he's going to wake up in a cold sweat on that one because it, it kind of it was there, you know, when you see it and they had the perfect camera angle behind it that it sat up. And I think that any other time he would back himself to score that. Um, yeah, I do. I do think he's I do think that will haunt him a little bit because let's be honest, you know, throwing in and, you know, hitting your man at the line out and making lots of tackles and all these unglamorous things that go with being a hooker. He wants to score tries and the opportunity was there. I think, I think that'll, I think that'll, that'll annoy him a little bit. I'll tell you what though. This, so there was, there was, it was pretty open. You know, the, the Lions scored some tries. I mean, for example, there were just moments where, for example, the first Houtang try was uh, a missed tackle. They broke down the, during the touchline and it was just a, a race in, the Lions scored some tries where, for example, uh, Josh Adams' hat-trick try was from just no one from Houteng going in, contesting a ruck. Um, Hill going in, pinching the ball and just popping it to, to Adams to, to race in. There was some fairly open moments like that. Tell you who'll be pretty pleased, though, from just a nailing our, nailing our what we've done on the training field kind of kind of thing is Gregor Townsend because you'll have seen an awful lot, you know, because of the relative weakness, all due respect to them, the relative weakness of Haiteng, it meant that the Lions could score some first phase tries from set piece like the line out um, because of what was up against them. So they, they threw up some some interesting things. There was, a, an and commentary brought this up quite a few times, where there was an option over and over again to throw long in the line out to a centre. Chris Harris offered himself an awful lot of times uh, for the Ali Price try, it was Farrell that was there. He just took the ball, turned, turned and hit, hit Price, and it was just a canter through to the line. It'll be, it was a good opportunity to just try some training ground stuff. You reckon? Oh, hundred percent. And that was, I think it was, I think it was evident. Partic- yeah, particularly Lions. I'm struggling to think of a, a game, Lions or otherwise, where there has been so much success with the, with the line out being thrown across the back and. It worked a number of times. Obviously, a, a couple of occasions it didn't. But yeah, I think you're right. It, it it did have a feel, particularly after the first 15 minutes of being a little bit of a training ground exercise. I think because the Lions got on the scoreboard so early on with with two tries from Louis Trissamit and, and Hamish Watson, it gave that opportunity. But, you know, let, let's be honest, that's what these games are all about. It is about trying out different combinations and uh, and trying a few things and, and seeing if they're going to work. And actually on that, what did you make of the um, the Russell-Farrell access at 10-12? Because there would have been a lot of focus on that. Some people would say chalk and cheese in terms of style. Um, you know, we saw Stuart Hogg was playing at fullback today. A lot of people would have said, oh, you know, Farrell... Apparently came out well in some inter-squad voting for a potential captain with um, Alan Wynne Jones gone, didn't get the nod. This game, he was obviously given the opportunity just to play and not focus about being a leader or anything like that. What did you make uh, in the hour or so that we saw from Russell and Farrell together? Because, you know, Russell did some very Finn Russell things where he was getting a lot of praise to open up the first try because he spotted the space and the opportunity to run. Um, and but also there was moments where he kicked the ball straight to touch, which is I think he does. He tried a couple of crossfield kicks that didn't come off. He tried one that did come off. He did for Josh Adams. He, he put in a beautiful one for to set up the try. Um, but was there the understanding there? What did you make of that relationship? Do you think that will give a get a chance to go, or is that one of those things where Warren Gatlin might look at it and go, okay, we gave that a go. That's probably not playing to everyone's strengths. I don't feel like it's a massive. Warren Gatlin style combination, if I'm honest. I think that 
Do you think his arm was twisted by the other coaches around them to give it a go? No, no, I don't. I don't think that either. I think that look, it's an opportunity, like you say, it's the weakest opposition that you're going to face on the tour. And I'm not saying that that's why they've been played together, but I do think that it gives you the opportunity to experiment a little bit with, particularly with your back line. And he's obviously, you know, we know what Finn Russell can do. And again, we saw glimpses of it in this game. Um, I don't really feel like there was enough in it to say, this is the, this is the 10, 12 axis that we're, that we're going to get really excited by. I still feel like Dan Bigger is very much favourite to to play at 10 because I think he controls a game, particularly, you know, if you're looking at a, a test match series against South Africa, I think he controls the game so, so well that at the moment, I think it's a real scrap between Finn Russell and Owen Farrell as to who is the replacement 10 on the bench. And I think Finn Russell is very much the favourite for that for me. Well, that's an interesting point. I mean, I don't think... Personally speaking, I don't think Owen Farrell was helped by having to take the ball to the line, um, uh, you know, off an angle. I just don't think that's a strength. Obviously, if there's a style you want to play, and you see the way that Bundy Aki played in the, the first game against Japan, obviously, we're not going to get a chance to see Robbie Henshaw play against the, the Sharks because he's had a slight tweak, so they want to they want to protect him, and that makes total sense because his, his, his form is undeniable, in, and you could see the quality shining through uh, against um, Japan, and he obviously has a good relationship with Bundy Aki. Um, Bundy Aki is one of those guys, actually, where there was a lot of murmurs about his selection, but actually you look at some of the dispatches from that, it seems like the guys in the squad have got a lot of time for him. Um, he's, he's Actually, I've heard from some folk now that he's very respected as a tourist. So he's one of those players whose stature might grow the longer this this tour goes on. But he offers something completely different from Owen Farrell. And expecting Farrell to play the exact same way as he does, I don't think is going to help the Lions. So I suppose the bigger debate is, is if you're going to have someone like Finn Russell who comes on to play for the Lions in a test match, um, if we assume that it's Dan Bigger's jersey to lose, if, as you say, he's, he's ahead of the race which I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with, to be honest, is is that does he, to play a Finn Russell, do you need a 12 that runs that angle against the grain, that runs towards the seam of the, behind the line out, who runs, uh, who ties in defenders to throw up your other playmakers elsewhere? If you have Finn Russell, do you need that safety blanket? It's a great point. You might well do. Um, my other My other thought on that is... The the one there's a few positions for me that look nailed on at the moment, and like I say, I, I think it's his biggest position to lose. You've mentioned Robbie Henshaw there. I think Robbie Henshaw is in pole position to play, uh, you know, very much the starting centre. But I do also think that if you got late onto it in into a test match and you bought Finn Russell on at ten, I think you could have him doing those hard. Yeah, I think you'd have Henshaw doing those hard yards at centre for him, you know, someone who can run and hit a line and either break a tackle or just take a seriously big hit and and do that job for you. I don't see it as being, yeah, like we said, I don't see it as being Owen Farrell's job, but I could see Henshaw as, as doing that for you, whether he starts at 12 or 13. I could see him doing that towards the end of a, towards the end of a test match. Well, it's an interesting one because we mentioned combinations at the top there and that's, if you want to talk about combinations, it's if do you if you want if you want Finn Russell as the guy coming off the bench to offer you something different, do you bring his best mate with him? Do you put Price in at nine? Um, you know, Price looked pretty good today. Um, and you know, but then Gareth Davis comes on and scores a try because Gareth Davis always scores tries. And it's it's one of those things where that battle for that I'd I'd actually say that the battle for the backup nine position is almost after today more interesting than the battle for the backup 10 because I think most people would go, uh, you know, if you're pragmatic, you go for Farrell as the backup 10 and, and or you start him at 12. Uh, or, it, you know, if you want to have something to open up the game, if you really want to throw the dice later in the game because things aren't going the way you want and you want to throw South Africa something that they don't know what to deal with, you have Russell on the bench. The nine one is purely down to form and purely down to taste because it's almost like there's not there's I wouldn't say that there's a vast there are obviously slight differences in styles and scrum half coaches are, or will be able to 
give you a lot more detail on that. But that's almost, for me, more of an interesting battle. That's one of those ones that will come down to form on the tour. Now, obviously, Warren Gatlin knows Davis very, very well. But then Gregor Townsend knows um, knows Price very, very well. And both did pretty well today. Yeah, I agree with you on, on both of that. I think it is a fascinating battle. I also think that ultimately, I do think Gatland has probably got an idea in his head, but I also don't think that that is necessarily means that Gareth Davis gets the nod as backup nine. I think that it's up for grabs. It is definitely up for grabs. And Davis, I think, got the nod on the tour because Gatlin knows what he's capable of. And I think he's a big game player and he scores tries and he has a big impact. But likewise, I don't feel like Ali Price is in any way out of this because he he's a very different player to Davis. I think that, that Price, Price to me is more of a starting nine, really. And I don't know whether that will count against him or for him because I think he's got, you know, he's got excellent service. I think he's got a great, fantastic left peg. Whereas... Gareth Davis is more about a bit of an instinct and we know how important uh, Sean Edwards thought his, uh, you know, thought his defense was and kind of, we saw that in, in world cup 2019, but you're absolutely right. It's a, it's a fascinating battle and one Al, that we are definitely going to get stuck into in the second half of the show. But right now we're going to take a quick break. Fascinating first half with a good friend of the show, Alan Dimmock. We've just been talking about the uh, the the battle for scrum half, or more so the battle for backup scrum half. Al, I've just given you a few of my thoughts uh, on there. Where do you stand as to as to kind of who's in pole position for that for that spot on the bench? Because let's be honest, it's Conor Murray's tour captain. That's that's yeah, that's his role. It is very, very interesting when you get to look at who the backup nine is going to be. Backup's not the right word, but you know who the who the nine on the bench is going to be. That that number that number twenty one shirt. Well, it depends what congregation you're part of. Because are we going to call it finisher, or are you going to call it system? What's it? Bristol call it system players. I'm calling it none of that. <laughs> well, so well, but actually, being realistic, I'm, I'm they're always going to be a replacement because they're on the bench and they're replacing someone. So let's stick to that. But. You know, the, the idea of being a system player is probably more what we're talking about here because there will be, by the time the tests roll around, the coaches will have hoped that there is a system that is in place. Now, there might be variations on a theme. Uh, you know, there might be bits and pieces from, and I've seen a lot of people, analysts say that there are bits and pieces from defensive systems and attacking systems from other clubs, uh, from other nations that come together to make the Lions. And you, you've got a... I almost swore there. You've got to play with the hand you're dealt is a, a very nice way of saying a, a well-known phrase that I, I, would they use in Scotland about urinating with what you've been given. Um, and the so with the what's in front of you, that's what you use uh, to play with. And there will be naturally a system will come forth that that with the players that you've got, and they're, they're not quite there yet, which is why you've seen players running too flat or not quite having the timing of pass. We've seen that in the first two games that the Lions have played where the timing isn't quite there yet because these players have got to get used to guys that they're not there with. You Over time, hopefully, particularly with athletes this good, you develop a shorthand. So the style of play will come with that. So then it, when it comes to the test is, with that style, who best fits that system? And if you were to if if the box were next week, then you'd I'd imagine you'd go with who Gatland has the most experience with in big matches, which would be Davis. That just makes sense, particularly in that idea of of coming off and making something happen in the latter stages of a game. Realistically, what Ali Price has to do then is change the mindset going forward as that style bids in. Make your that's the challenge for players. In, in those uh, in those movable feast positions where they're not quite nailed on yet is 
you've got to make yourself part of that system that naturally develops on a tour. I say as someone that's never been on a, you know, played on a Lions tour. But but you know what it's like. We've all we've all not yet. Part- Al, not yet. Yeah, true. There's still time. The, the window's shortening, but there's still time. Uh, difficult to do from from Southwest London, I'd, I'd admit. But um, you know, we'll see. Um, so I'd, I'd imagine that that's where we are. But that's the thing is, it, anything can happen. And you, you're right, though. And actually, what you, you mentioned the fact that Conor Murray is, even if he wasn't your captain, we'd be talking about the fact that Conor Murray is the, the go-to guy. What I'm interested in, actually, is after the... I'm sure you've spoken at length since the fallout of the last game. Um, and I'm sure there's been a lot of discussions on with your mates, uh, as there is, I think, anyone who's a rugby fan has talked talked about this. Because we were led to believe before, as the squad was squad selection was coming up, you know, what, what's the race for captain going to be? And we were all pretending that Alan Wynne-Jones wasn't nailed on to be the tour captain. And we were talking about whether Maro Atoji might be in the race, whether there are other people going to come in. What have you made of the selection of Conor Murray, a guy who's very well, very well respected, very clearly nailed on to play the tests, uh, just an all-round nice guy, but a hell of a competitor, and his skill set, which is says a lot about how the Lions want to play, you have to respect that he's a master craftsman at what he does. What have you made of his selection as captain, though? Is that just... Uh, a move you think to so that other players who potentially are in the race don't have to worry about it just focus on your bloody rugby I think that's probably it actually I think if you look at players who if you're saying that your tour captain has to be pretty much a favorite to start in the in the test series then other than Connor Murray in my opinion Dan Bigger possibly Stuart Hogg, the only other candidate is Maritoji, right? And there's clearly something that that is on Gatlin's mind that is, I just want Itoji to focus on being the, the absolute world-class second row that he is. And go on. Well, so today, Itoji, fantastic in defensive lineups. Just Astonishing. Whacking, whacking balls out of hands, just Steve Jack. And obviously, and obviously, a lot of credit has to go to the lifters as well to keep up with them and be on the same wavelength and stuff like that. Stuff like that seems to have bedded in pretty well so far, and it's 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 good. You know, it's it's a skill that probably goes underrated. It's one of those things that's seen Peter Romani lauded for years and years because he is just a genius at that top side of the game. I told you he was fantastic at that today. Do you think that potentially not picking someone like I told you to be captain, who's not captained? England to tournament victories from that position because he hasn't had to because he's had Owen Farrell there, who also was his club mate. Um, do you think that an element of not picking him is, apart from the fact that, you know, he captained England to a Junior World Cup win in 2014 in New Zealand, um, there hasn't really been that much experience. And whilst there's all this talk about that, Let's not burden him with that because potentially the guy who's given away quite a lot of penalties recently might tr- do too much to try and lead from the front and actually unburden him with that. So I've, I've used the phrase unburden probably 25,000 times in this podcast about the captaincy. But do you think with him specifically, that's possibly because of the discipline side of things? Yeah, I do. And I think that, yeah, if it, if it were up to me, and as I've said a number of times here, I... I probably would have picked Atoji in January. I would have picked Alan Wynne-Jones in March or April, whenever the squad was announced. But right now, I probably would have turned back to Atoji. But at the same time, there's clearly something that... I think it, it comes down to the fact that he is so important to the Lions in this test series that you need to give him every chance that he can have the influence on the test match series that... Is gonna is gonna make the whole difference, and I don't think that giving Conor Murray the, Conor Murray the captaincy is gonna phase Conor Murray, despite the fact that he's not necessarily someone we automatically think of as a captain. I just think it's it's one less thing to worry about. I think if Conor Murray is there, he's gonna play his natural game, whether he's captain or not. And I just think that they're possibly a little bit concerned that if they give 
Maritoji, the captaincy, it might be, to use your phrase, a bit of a burden. And uh, I don't think you can afford to do that, particularly if Alan Wynne-Jones is going to miss the series, as we expect he is, despite a few headlines this week. You need those big game players to concentrate on on what they they're going to do best, and and we saw what Atoji can do today. And I think that it is about is about that about not not burdening him for me. You appear to be in a hotel at the moment. What sort of tree would you say that is painted on the wall behind you? Is that a blossom? What is that? That much I, I can tell you. I am certainly in a hotel at the moment. I am in the the Novotel in Leicester. Um, it's some kind of blossom. I don't know. I mean, should we call it? Is this some kind of segue into a cherry blossom Japan reference? Because if it's there, I'm like there, like I'm popping it up to you. I'm popping it up to you. Run with it. It can be. I did not watch a single second of uh, Japan playing today, but it, absolutely, we we can. All I know, all I know is that no, I don't know anything actually. I didn't watch a second of that game. Uh, so horrible segue. No, I, actually, I was going to turn that into a who we can see blossoming on this tour because um, <laughs> every so often you see players that throw their throw their hand up. By the way, actually, on that horrible, nothing to do with blossoming on tour. But I mentioned at the top that um, Owen Farrell will be given every opportunity to play his, himself into form. For those that haven't watched the championship, and I count myself amongst those, I haven't been there every week um, watching Saracens ascend to the Premiership again. But during the Six Nations, there was a lot of detraction for Elliot Daly. And that's one of those things where we talk a lot in our society about oh, you knocking people down and blah, blah, blah. You're allowed to say people aren't in good form. Elliot Daly was not in good form for England. And it helped him. He obviously moved to 13 to play for Saracens. He came on today for the Lions at 13. And over the last period with Saracens, he's obviously played himself into form and got his confidence back. And today, I think he really offered something with, um, I think his outside fade on a break. When he came on at 13, obviously that moved Owen Farrell to 10. So suddenly that was something that was a connection that we'd seen with Saracens at the tail end of this season. And he just looked to make a difference. And in fact, I think it was him that threw the pass for Adam's fourth try. It was. To, to go in. And I just, I just think... He, he looks like someone who, certainly if we're talking about versatility, he's got to be one of those guys who that last spot on the bench has got to be his to play for because he offers so much in so many different positions and he seems like he's got a bit of a swagger back. Oh, I 100% agree with that. And to go back to the point we were saying there about players being burdened, he looked like a player who's been completely unshackled. He came off the bench and looked like the... The running threat and the the natural footballer and the the player who's got a massive left peg on him. He showed everything in that that cameo that he played. And you're absolutely right. The fact that he plays both wings and can play in the centre and can play fullback absolutely puts him in pole position. And this is, but I I do also think that it's the influence he could make in the centre that gives a real difference. Because you look at the other centres in the squad and they're all very robust. Um, and I think that he is that one, you know, that option at 13 that gives you something that will really make the the Springboks coach think about what they're what they're up against. You say robust. I mean, Chris Harris, everyone's talked about. He's been selected for his his defence, and he's phenomenal in defence. And that, but that first try, albeit the the Gloucester connection with him and Lewis Rees-Abbott, you know, lovely little dink from Chris Harris. You know, he's got more in his locker than a lot of people would. Have. Would would appreciate. Uh, look, I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of his, and I think he's, uh, you know, that's that's probably uh, something in his game that perhaps people don't give him credit for. Is he's you know he's good when he puts uh, when he puts boots to ball, and it was perfectly weighted kick. You absolutely can't deny with that. But um, yeah, I don't know, but I think he's. I don't know. I just think that if you're looking at all of those available centres, you would say that Daly is the the wild card, that kind of uh, the joker in the pack, so to speak, um, over any of the other options that we've got there who are very, very physical. Well, on that, actually, because um, we're going to see, we've got, we're going to have a, by definition, midweek game against the Sharks. The kickoff's been moved so that we can see football coming on for some reason. And uh, the, 
you'd think that actually there's going to be a lot of guys selected for the Sharks because Gatlin's come out and said, at least in the first three games, everyone is going to get a chance to start. We've seen some tried and tested combinations or we've seen some guys that have played for the Lions before. It feels like if that's what we're running with, potentially we could see some whack, like just some fantastical combinations in a midweek game. Now, I brought up the captaincy earlier because, uh, you know, the, the tour captain and whether it's the test captain and all that sort of stuff is up for debate. Stuart Hogg on his third tour was afforded the opportunity to captain the Lions today. Are we going to see three or four different captains for the Lions? Will we see a completely different person handed that opportunity against uh, against the Sharks? Will Connor Murray get his first opportunity to captain the Lions? Well, actually, no, by definition, he won't be starting that one because we'll see Davis starting. So um, we're just going to, I think we might see some some stuff that we haven't even seen in the, the first two games because you need to get them out of the way to let people go. So actually, would you, the game against the Sharks, who will be better opposition than Hauteng, would you want to see the systems betting in even more, even regardless of who the personnel is? Or actually, is that one of those where you go, let's embrace the tradition of midweek Lions games and just have it like, who even knows? Let's just give it a go. Look, I think the embracing the Lions tradition of midweek Lions games, who even knows, comes a few weeks into the tour, doesn't it? That's where Andy Nichol was lucky that he packed his boots when he's on tour with, uh, you know, when he's when he's on on holiday with his family. That's where that kind of stuff comes in. I think, you know, I think this is about systems and they will, like you say, they will pick a side and ensure that everyone has had their chance in the first three games. I don't think it's going to come down to, yeah, who knows what. I think it it is still about getting those, those systems right. And um, I'm intrigued to see it because I think even though Japan are a, you know, a wonderful test nation, I don't think that was the toughest, the toughest encounter to, to get out of the way. I kind of, in a way think that the, the Sharks will, considering it's a midweek game, be a tougher encounter than, than actually the first two games have been. I think we, we spoke, we spoke earlier about, and more, I, I whacked on a bit earlier about, um, you know, how many games are right for it to make, like, to feel like a proper line. I think one of the things that takes away from it actually, regardless of anything else, is the fact that no matter what game we're watching, we're going to see Lions playing. Mm. We're not going to see the Springboks, you know, the Springboks have got, you know, the Springboks played last night. I watched the game last night against Georgia. And, you know, there was a rustiness to the fore. They'll be playing Georgia again, and then they're playing the Lions, you know, at the end of it all uh, on a three-test series. But we're not, I suppose it's one of the things that sort of takes away from this is we're not going to see any of the Springboks playing for in any of these these games either. Obviously that, obviously, that makes test teams weaker, and the Sharks have worked very hard to bring in a core of very marketable players recently. Um, all of whom are, are, are Springboks and we won't get an opportunity for them to have that but that game will be a step up so the opposition is going to be harder so actually but then by the same time the, the, the amount of time that the Lions have had together extends albeit only by a few days so you're right it's probably you know we'll see what, what systems come in I suppose it's around about the game after that you probably see the identity of this team come through. And that's where probably you'll see more of, okay, that's recognisable as this this group of Lions. But certainly, this, because it's only the third game and every player is getting an opportunity to start a test, is, you know, what we talked about earlier about those positions that are up for grabs. For some people, this is their first chance to try and make a grab for those positions. And potentially for some people, already three games into the tour, their window's getting shorter and shorter. It's potentially for some people coming off the bench or starting having played on the bench already is uh, in a position that's already hotly contested or already decided. Really, realistically, it's potentially their last chance for some people already. And we're only just at the start of this tour, which is a crazy thing to say out loud. I think that is kind of the... I, I completely understand why we have to reduce the number of games on the tour. It doesn't mean I want it that way, but I, I do kind of understand the sheer amount of rugby that has been played over uh, over the past 12 months that we have to have a shorter tour than ever. But I kind of think that you've hit, you've really touched upon an interesting point there that this is what 
we love about Lions Tours is that when you get those players, you get an opportunity to play their way into a test jersey. And I'm thinking of, you know, the the Tim Rodbers and the Alan Tates and I don't know, obviously a lot of it harks back to, to 97 and a, a very, very different era. But that's the kind of thing that that I guess you do miss when you get a truncated tour. Yeah, that's true. And obviously there's an element that romanticism goes with it. But then again, I think we're in 2021. Romanticism is something that we're we're told about with hashtags because it's it's all ploys and everything's plastered with sponsors and blah blah blah. And realistically, these guys, even if it's a, a lesser opposition they're playing against, they're absolutely hammering their body. Look, we could talk, we could discuss the merits of why there are a few games where you're not. You're right. You know, there's there's not as much opportunity. But then again, that's what makes the great players great is the ability to put their hands up. And already in the first couple of games, we've seen some players that have said, even if I'm not who you had in mind, even if I'm not the best option, I'm going to put my hand up. And it's always interesting when you see the guys that um, are up for it, but sort of the, the occasion or the spectacle or the weight of the jersey is too much for them. And then you get the guys who are like, no, nah, I'm giving this a go and actually things will come off for me. And, you know, there's, I think, already and i'd like i'd love to know who you think they are is we've seen some players that have already said you know i want to be throw myself in the mix i'm going to finish on this in the last 30 seconds out because i know both of us are keen to go and uh, go and watch the football even if i am watching it in a hotel a hotel bar in uh in leicester uh i think that watson did that today i think that josh adams has done it on the last two days uh the last two match days um, who else is really impressive? I thought that Itoji was mighty impressive today and I thought Courtney Laws was impressive as well. So I, th- I think that there are definitely those players who've, who've 100% thrown their hands up. I'd agree with all that. And I, I think it will be fascinating. I, I just, I'm wondering what he'll, yeah, here's the great thing. Who knows what Hail Marys we're going to see against the, the Sharks. A hundred percent. Right. Uh, when can we expect to uh, when can we expect to read the, the next issue of Rugby World, which I know all of our listeners will be interested in? Yeah, we, we've got uh, we just went to print on uh, yesterday, which is Friday. So we've got a week before that will come out and then the Tuesday uh, of the week before the first test that will come out. So as you can imagine, rah, 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 bring on the box. Rah, 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 bring on the box. 100% to that. Big thank you to Alan Dimmick for joining us. As always, it's an absolute pleasure to chat to you, Al. Uh, and a big thanks, as always, to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Um, and you can get yourself some fantastic quality coffee with some wonderful new branding, I have to say. Uh, Scott's done a fantastic job at making the product look even better and I know how good it tastes. So if you want to do that, you can go to socoffeetrades.co.uk to get yourself some top quality coffee. We will be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.